Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Triple R. This is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name is Bron Burton. And I'm the cabin boy. How are you, cabin boy? Good, good, good. Good? Good to see us. We're on high ground here in the studios. <laughs> yeah, we are. A lot of flooding going on out there. Yes, there is. Uh, yes, the challenge continues. Um, and again, as we've been saying for the last three weeks now, uh, yeah, our thoughts are with you if you are dealing with and battling with um, flood-affected land and uh, and houses. It's just awful. Anyway, hopefully this little program and uh, all the programming at Triple R can uh, help you through this period. Many thanks to Tim Thorpe for Vital Bits. As always, thank you very much, Andrew, for Soulful Bits and Edith for Things to Do Today. Uh, loved your work this morning, Tim, as I always do. And he did appreciate the coffee that you bring in for him. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> On you, Tim. You can catch Tim next weekend, as always, for uh, more Vital Bits next Saturday at 6am and Sunday at 6am. Speaking of getting up early, Brett, you came up from Phillip Island for this. I just want to just shout out to you for that. 5.45 and I can tell you the sun rose at 6.16 in my back window as I was uh, heading west. <laughs> west? Yes, west. <laughs> Thanks for coming up. No, that's all right. the island. Amazing. Well, Kate does it uh, most weeks. So I took a leaf out of his book and I thought, oh, come on, I can do this. Kate can do it. You yeah. can do it. But I'm sure it's going to be a beautiful sunny day and the surf will be up down the island since I've left it. It's looking pretty nice out there now. Do you want the weather report now? Uh, I'll just go through the program first. Yeah. If that's all right. I'm a creature of habit as far as that goes, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so we are tapping into spirit. Spooky season because first up we're going to be talking about a ghost ship. All Hallows Eve is upon us. Um, yeah, well, this ghost ship is, um, I saw it today coming back from Phillip Island. It's kind of an iconic uh, image out there in the mangrove swamps uh, just near the airport and everyone asks about it but not many people know about it so we'll just visit the history of that ship. Excellent. I reckon it's one of those, it's one of those sort of landmarks where kids will remember yes. that, you know, throughout their whole lives yeah. and their trips down to Phillip Island, they'll remember that ship. Well, I was talking to my parents. They've been going down to Phillip Island over 40 years. They did not know anything about that ship. Yeah. So it's like, oh, really? Oh, oh. so yeah. hopefully people such as my parents aren't listening. Excellent. Uh, and then the, the, the second half of the show from 9.30, we're devoting to an incredible um, celebration of the Mornington Peninsula in all its glory. It's called Front Beach, Back Beach, and it kicks off this Friday, 4th of November, runs all the way through to the 27th. Uh, it's something that's been put together by the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery and also Deakin University's Public Art Commission. It's a huge public art project uh, that really just celebrates the peninsula in all its glory through film, sculpture, sound, performance and installation. A little bit arty, a little bit salty, really. Yeah. yeah. I like it when we get into the arty, arty stuff. It's Be- a nice crossover, over, isn't it? It yeah. is. It's really celebrating everything that this program is all about from an artistic yeah. perspective. And 
it's um it's so important that we talk about it when it happens. So, firstly, we're going to be speaking with Danny Lacey. Uh, he is the co-director of Front Beach Back Beach and also the director of the Mornington Peninsula Art Gallery. He's going to talk to us about the origins of this project, um, the artists that are featured. So there are fifteen different featured artists that uh, their work is going to be presented across three different hubs. So we'll talk to Danny about that and what you can see over the next month. And then, Lisa, we've got two artists who are going to be with us, Cabin Boy. Very exciting. Lisa Warp, who is a contemporary artist, she has created these incredible paragliding sails. So this is an art piece that will come through the air. Yeah. This is just taking art to the next level altogether. Uh, and for, they're going to be launched from four different launch pads across the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, so they're actually taking to air? Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? We need her in the studio yeah. to tell us about that. I know. Imagine the work that's gone into this. Uh, and also Katie Lee. So both kind of contrasting in a way. So one one you have to look up to see it, the other one you need to look down. So Katie Lee is an artist from Last Collective. They're a NAM-based group uh, talking about their linear sculptural form. I don't know what that means, Kevin Boy. I'm going to ask. I don't have an artistic background. A linear? Well, that's in a line. In a line. line but... Sculptural form. Mm, mm. We're going to have to ask. We will. Um, taking inspiration from the peninsula's mangroves to connect remnant bush with the shifting shoreline. So super cool stuff. <laughs> we get to feel a bit highbrow. Well, also, like that is, we have the southernmost uh, mangroves down here on the I think Tassie has some. I made that mistake. Southernmost on Australia. What about Tassie? On the mainland. On the mainland. Yes, got to put that in. So, yeah. So, yeah, really looking forward to this. And big shout out to Paul Bishop who brought this to our attention a few weeks ago. Paul is a long-time Marinara listener and, and Triple R listener and subscriber and, and contacted us via our Facebook page, actually. It's always nice when people suggest segments like that or that they're eager to get someone on to talk about yeah. their works. So, so do you reckon um, this is something you might be interested in? I went, uh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else out there, if you've got something that, you know, you want to get to air that kind of suits the theme, yeah. I think this is a really good point to mention right now. Um mm. Definitely. And we're into spring now and events are starting to pop up all over the place. Yep. You know, and there could be anything from beach cleanups to some education work to, you know, these sort of things. So yeah, if you know about it, just let us know. Best way to do it is via our Facebook page or you can do it through contacting Triple R at the station as well. Because mm, it is community radio and, you know, it is community source, some of the information we get. So yeah, it's great it. if the community's involved. Yeah. Some of it comes through official channels, some of it comes from our own networks. And and some of it comes through you. And some of it we just make up. <laughs> <laughs> Speak yourself, Gabba boy. Well, okay. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Uh, any news? Um, I have been. I tuned into Netflix and I watched the uh, – I think it's a series. It's called Untold, The Race of the Century. We spoke about the uh, 1983 Australia Cup quite a few segments ago. This is all about the 1983 America's Cup where Australia too, of course, we won. Um, John Bertrand – so it's a doco. It's a bit of history. Don, John Bertrand goes through and tells his story about it and all that. So it's quite interesting. And it's the last ever interview – of Bob Hawke before he passed away too. Oh, right. So, yeah, pretty unrecognisable. I didn't, you know, let's see, is that Bob Hawke? And it was, but, you know, so uh, for that famous quote, which I haven't got written down, I'll get wrong if I say, you know, about having the day off, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyone it, who doesn't give you a day off is a bum. Yeah, it's a bum or we something. We all remember the bum bit. We just don't remember what led up to it. <laughs> it's so Australian. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's well worth a watch because, uh, as I said, it's just a documentary and it's got a lot of um, archival footage and all that. So it's pretty – and it's almost – I was watching it. It's like, did we really win this? We are so far down and so far behind. And it's almost if it wasn't true, you wouldn't believe that yeah. Australia came back from being so far down and won. So, yeah, on Netflix, uh, Untold, The Race of the Century. Yeah, well worth a watch. Yeah, cool. I remember getting up and watching it. Oh, I think we all did, didn't we? It was, <laughs> it did. It was the true race that stopped the nation rather than this bloody baloney that's going on tomorrow. <laughs> we won't exactly. get into that. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, Tuesday, yes. Yeah. Well, see, we don't even know what day it is. Yeah, I know. Oh, but I'll take the day off. <laughs> I've got a super quick one and then we'll play some music. Yeah. Um, this one came through. Um, thank you, Elizabeth McCarthy, who sent this one through our way. Title is New Antarctic Research Endeavour Opens at Monash University. So... Read through the press release, it's a bit of a drum roll really to some work which will be happening, but some investment that's being made through a new program called Securing Antarctica's Environmental Future, which I reckon is probably a bit of a stretch given when you sort of read through what they're doing. But having said that, it's a um, it's a good uh, investment into research and good investment into research is, is always a good thing. So a research and training program taking a look at really what's going on in Antarctica and, and setting things up to monitor the impacts of climate change. Mm-hmm. That's really what this one's all about. So a $36 million grant from the Australian Research Council, part of the Special Research Initiative in Excellence in Antarctic Science, uh, more than 30 university government agency and private sector partners. They're looking at having a team of more than 125 researchers and students spending the next seven years working to understand the changes taking place across the Antarctic region. So this is to climate, environment and biodiversity and have a look at developing some innovative ways to forecast, mitigate and manage these changes. Mm. So good that they're investing in it. Could you go? Could you uh, Could you handle Me? Yeah, being down oh, there? yeah. I, I mean, a dream. I, I've always wanted to go to Antarctica. Yeah, but I don't think I'd pass the uh, the the mental kind of thing because I, I reckon I'd go nuts down oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. What do you reckon? Oh, like, I reckon I'd be all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always reminds me of The Shining, you know, kind oh, of locked yeah. away. Oh. Well, I mean, we had Cliff on our program, yes. um, Cliff Davis, um, over the last few years who's, who has done an Antarctic summer He's and a winter. He's back now, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he needed a spell from it all. I reckon I'd do well in a winter. Yeah. Um, but I think I could definitely yeah. go a summer. It would be a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. I was worried about seasickness, though. I'm not very good with seasickness, believe it or not. Neither am I. Are you? <laughs> no. ah, interesting. And yet you say, oh, cabin boy. It's if you keep at it long enough, you get over that's it. That's true. So you, and that's the trouble. People just go for the day and they get sick and they, they don't go again. If you go the next day and the next day, you get over it. Yeah. It hurts, but you get over you it. You get over yeah. it. Yeah. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. All right, let's talk about ghost ships. Over to you, Kevin Boy. Well, kind of, I didn't quite realise that it is nearly Halloween, if you believe in that. Like, <laughs> But um, if you've ever headed off down to the prom, down to uh, Inverloch or down to Phillip Island, you most likely would have headed off down the South Gippsland Highway. And uh, just past Turidan, which is a little fishing village, um, on the, right on the uh, Western Port Bay there, or, and there, just past Turidan, there's an airfield. And in the middle of that airfield, it looks like it's in the middle, is a huge steel, well, I'm going to call it a ship because it must be about 80, 80 foot long. Mm. Um, 
And it's quite interesting. It's been there ever since I can remember, and everyone knows about it. My parents didn't know the story about it, so that kind of prompted me to have a little look into it. So the boat itself is called the Edwina May. Um, a guy in the early 17, uh, in 1970, William Curtin, he used to run a shipping company, so up and down the East Coast from Darwin and down. Uh, he also used to run it with his son called Ray, and they bought this... Um, the Edwina May, which was a coastal trader. So I think they were hoping to um, run some goods up and down the coast. Couldn't really afford to put it in any of the docks or tie it up anywhere because it was going to be pretty expensive. So what he did was he found a little channel and just ran it up onto the shore. Um, it's amongst the uh, mangroves. If you get onto Google Maps and look at it, it looks like it's in the middle of a field, but it's the airfield's right on the edge, edge of the mangrove, so it's right, right on the edge of the bay. And um, you can see where he has come in, but the mangroves have slowly grown over, so it'll, it's never going to move. It's a bit of a tragic story. So he beached it there, and he a- added six metres to the boat. So I don't know how he's done this in the mangrove swamp and mm-hmm. in the mud. He's cut it apart and added it together. And then, 1974, Cyclone Tracy hit Darwin on Christmas Day and his son was at sea in one of their boats, solo, captaining one of their ships, and the ship and the son went down. Right. Never to be found again. Wow. So the, sh- the son's died. It wasn't until 2004 that the actual wreck of that boat was found, but the body was never found. So, um, We talk about... Shipwrecks a lot on this program when Rex is in, and yeah. it's always you know in ye oldy days of your back in the you know eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds. But mm-hmm. to have something like this happen in the mid nineteen seventies is quite a quite a shocking thing. Well, also in tri- Cyclone Tracy, that's you know mm. I didn't realize that was another life lost in Cyclone yeah, Tracy yeah. too. So um, that's right. And as I said, his body was never found. So lost at sea. Ship was found in two thousand and four. I don't know where, but uh, yeah. And after that, William never returned to the boat. So he kind of lost all hope. So, and there it has remained. Now, if you jump onto the internet, there's so many photos. I think it is a photographer's delight to mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, you can buy prints of this ship everywhere and it's, it's so mysterious and all that. But it is right on the edge of an active airfield. So you're not really supposed to go down and have a look at it. And in fact, someone on our... Um, Facebook page, uh, Grant, Grant Leeworthy yeah. said, yeah, look, uh, be careful. My friend fell through the deck of this vessel, so be very, very careful. I rang the airport, but I couldn't get any answers about it okay. whatsoever. But I think technically you are trespassing if you go. There is a, um, a bit of a mud map to say if you go here, jump this fence, go through the mangroves with your waders on, you might be able to get to the boat. But there's not much left of it. It's no. As I said, it is rusting away. I guess the EPA has been through everything, all the oil, diesel, everything's been taken off. So it is just a stripped-out, rusting wreck. It's so, just the shell. Just the shell. Um, so it's there. And as I said, people drive past it every day and not too many know, people know the story. There's all kinds of mysteries and history about it, but that is the true story. It's the Edwina May and, yeah, it's been left since, yeah, 19 – when was it? The 1974. So it's a bit of a tragic story, really. And the connection of that boat to Cyclone Tracy, I had no idea. No. And I'm guessing many people listening wouldn't have had any idea either. No. And the ghost ship thing is – and I, I don't think this is true – legend has it that 
people driving past have seen a face on the in the window of the boat. Yeah, so, wow. you know, I think that's just made up because no one's died on the boat. It's just people's imaginations. So, um, but as I said, yeah, I, I, it's rusting away. It's slow. It, it's dangerous. You cannot get out to it because it is an active runway. And I think they will uh, get you for trespassing if you actually pull up to the airport and cross it to get to the boat. So, yeah, stay away. As I said, as we got that uh, message, yes, please stay away. Amazing. So, yes, if you're driving down the Gippsland Highway, you've got that story to tell the kids now. You, the mystery solved, hopefully, for all those people, especially our Christmas time when everyone's heading down the coast. The Edwina May. Edwina May. We now know the name of the vessel. Yes, and the tragedy behind it. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Captain Boy. It's a pleasure. That was super cool. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. I did have um, a, a news article that I wanted to read out. Again, thanks to Elizabeth McCarthy for sending this one through. The title of it is Missing Home, Invasive Species Leave Behind Their Friends, Hindering Colonisation. So this is a super cool story to come out of the University of New South Wales and talking about invasive species that they don't only lose their enemies but also their friends. So we're talking about this in the context of relationships that actually benefit colonisation. So a meta-study that's been published in Biology Letters led by Professor Angela Moles from University of New South Wales, Sydney's School of Biological, Environmental and Earth Sciences. That's a very long title. Examining the friendship networks of invasive species. So we're talking about things like pollinators for plants before and after they left their home range. And what they found with this particular study was that for plants at least, invading species interacted with nearly twice as many friendly species at home than in invaded habitats. So really, really cool stuff looking at um, those interactions between invasive species uh, with other invasive species and uh, and other species that are actually natural to the, the environment that they've gone into. So pretty cool stuff, Captain Boy. Well, I've, I've big thanks to Rog. He just dropped a book off for me, so I haven't been in the studio listening at all. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about um, invasive species and the, the impact that they have uh, in terms of the interactions that they have once they land in a new environment. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, often that's with uh, through the bilge um, water of ships that are coming across too. Yeah, exactly. R. 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 You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Now, if you're down on the Mornington Peninsula over the coming months, you might want to look up or down or anywhere, really, because there's every chance you'll see one of 15 site-specific events that together make up Front Beach, Back Beach. It's a massive public art project that launches this Friday, the 4th of November and is all set to celebrate the Ninch in all its glory. Through a partnership by Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery and Deakin University's Public Art Commission, Front Beach, Back Beach is a rich artistic celebration by 15 artists of history and present of the Mornington Peninsula, presented by the media or via the media of film, sculpture, sound, performance and installation. To tell us all about it and what you can expect when you go and check it out, we welcome co-director of Front Beach, Back Beach and director of Mornington Peninsula Art Gallery, Danny Lacey. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. Good morning to you and all the listeners. Uh, welcome to uh, to Radio Marinara and to Triple R. First up, a big shout out to Paul Bishop for putting us onto Front Beach, Back Beach. 
Oh yeah, thanks, Bish. Uh, it's been great to work with uh, with him and Lisa on. Yeah, Lisa Walk's amazing project, which I'm sure Lisa will tell tell you all about shortly. Yes, Lisa's sitting in the green room right now, so we're looking forward to welcoming her in soon. Um, look, it looks just incredible. I've had a chance to look at the website, and it looks just amazing. I was looking through it yesterday. Can you tell us a little bit about? Let's go back to the start. What What are the origins mm. of Front Beach, Back Beach? Where did this all start? Yeah, well, it started a few years ago, actually, and. Yeah, just just through a conversation about trying to activate um, the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery, actually, where we're on Civic Reserve down in Mornington, and uh, there's not a lot around the gallery. There's a lot of empty space, and not much happens around the building. So I had a conversation with um, David Cross and Cameron Bishop, who are two professors at Deakin Uni as part of the Public Art Commission out there, and we initially just talked about doing a sort of performance or activation around the gallery, to be honest, just to try and enliven the, the space. And then it's sort of just that, obviously, initial discussion um, just snowballed into what is probably the largest public art um, project that the Moynton Peninsula has ever seen. Um, and I guess it, it sort of organically grew over that time. We initially thought we would do um, about five or six projects and then... Um, yeah, just through uh, the federal government's RISE grant, they had this $125 million pot of gold, which was sort of COVID recovery money. And we thought, well, why don't we have a crack at this? And, um, yeah, we, we sort of dreamt big, really. And, like, what if in an ideal situation, what, what project would we curate or pull together down here? And it was basically this 15-sided project across the whole Mornington Peninsula. Um, so, yeah, we're lucky to get some funding and, yeah, we've just uh, we've gone for it really. So it's pretty exciting that we get to launch in, in a week's time. Always good to have a crack at it and uh, end up with the, uh, the, the pot of gold in the end, isn't it? <laughs> so, well, you sort of you run the gauntlet with that. But, yeah, I'll tell you what, um, yeah, it makes things happen sometimes. So where did you draw your artists from? Are they all locals? Uh, the real mix, actually. We've sort of had a bit of a national scope. We've yeah. got um, artists coming from interstate. We've got um, working with Bira Moller, who's uh, lives down in Flinders. Um, so we've got, yeah, fantastic local artists. But, yeah, a lot of the artists are um, oh, coming from all over the place, Melbourne, Tasmania, um, yeah, up in New South Wales. So it's really great. A really good mix of artists. Um, I mentioned that Front Beach, Back Beach takes in the history as well as the present, including a place called Monmar, which our listeners mm. might know by another name. Can you tell us a bit about Monmar and its significance? Yeah, so Monmar uh, is the name that uh, we use for Point Nepean National Park, and I guess, um, yeah, it's really uh, front and centre that we, I guess, really acknowledge that um, traditional Indigenous history of the place down here. Um, you don't, I guess, yeah, you don't see a lot of um, signage with different place names. Um, I think that the Rosebud Aquatic Centre called Yawa is one of the only sort of public institutions that has a, an Indigenous name. So we really wanted to yeah, incorporate um, that Indigenous history into the project as a really important layer. And I guess what the project has tried to do is build different layers of different histories and then construct these um, public art projects on top of that in a way to sit alongside those histories but to also, um, yeah, to, to, to reframe certain histories and to, I guess, allow certain histories to have different voices. So it's been quite a, an interesting project to work with such a broad range of artists and sites. 
You've got quite a significant community engagement element to this as well, isn't there? You've got artists working with community groups um, all over the peninsula. Can you talk us through a couple of those uh, collaborations? Yeah, well, I think that was a repeat key part of the project. I, I don't think anyone likes an artist just to, to come in into your territory and just start making work about um, your histories or your place. So, yeah, it was really important, I guess, that we engaged with local communities across the peninsula. Um, one of the projects that I'm involved in is with um, artist Jeff Robinson. And Jeff has been uh, creating this 40-minute audio walk down at Monmar um, so that anyone can go down through November and put their headphones on and listen to this amazing audio walk through the Happy Valley Walking Trail. Um, but Jeff has engaged um, a whole range of local um people. He's been working with one of the local brass bands down in Rosebud and, and they appear in the audio work and they also appear in um, a live performance which is happening on Saturday the 26th. So yeah, it's really fantastic to be engaging with um, those local community groups and you know, tapping into that amazing local knowledge and skill down here. So how's it set out, Danny? Is there like, um, or there's three separate groups, I believe. Is there some map that you follow or do you just, yeah, just take your off your own bat. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably the, the biggest challenge with the project is just the geographical reach of the Mornington Peninsula. It's like 723 square kilometres, 10% of Victoria's coastline. Um, these 15 projects are really spread across the whole peninsula. So we designed it so that um, we've created three geographical hubs. So we've got five projects in the sort of western port area. Um, we've got five projects in what we're calling Foreshore, which is the Front Beach, uh, the Bay Beach, and then uh, Point Nepean, Monmar. We've got five projects down right towards the, the tip of the peninsula. And 10 of those projects overall will be open for the whole month from the 4th to the 27th of November so that um, you can go and see some of the projects in um, on the Foreshore side. But basically... Um, yeah, each weekend and during the week we're programming a range of events and public programs with talks and activities. So, yeah, the, the, the website's probably the key navigational tool to be able to plan your trip down. You might be able to see three or four projects in a day, stay down here and then go and see another couple. So, yeah, there's a bit of um, the geographical hubs operate um, independently but part of that broader project and we think it's a great way for people to navigate down here and yeah just enjoy themselves and checking out what what I think are quite subtle interventions in the landscape a lot of the time it's not these are not big brash sculptures it's not sort of like sculpture by the sea up at Bondi it's it's really these artworks are sort of um, integrated within the history of the landscape but also the physicality of the landscape so it's a bit of a um yeah, you have to keep your eyes open and you really have to sort of explore and, and find these artworks and I think you'll be rewarded for it. Yeah, I wanted to mention that too, that this is really designed, it can be done as a road trip and you've got audio that people can tune into as they drive from exhibit to exhibit and you can just access that through your website, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, so that, yeah, well, that's another element to it and I guess it's, it's again trying to deal with that huge geographical area. Obviously, even being a local down here, um, I was down right to get up to the gallery. It takes me half an hour. Um, people coming down to, from Melbourne, like it's going to be 45 minutes an hour drive. So, yeah, we're creating these um, playlists, um, a, a great set of audio narrations that have been constructed, um, and you can jump in the car, put that on, listen to a bit, gets a bit of an introduction to the project and some context to the projects as well uh, before you get down on site and, and start to explore. 
Um, I just wanted to ask you about this before we let you go as well. The, on your website, you've also got two Spotify playlists. What are these about? This, <laughs> I know what these are about because I check them out, but um, can you let our listeners know what these are about? They're pretty cool. Yeah, no, we'll just try to have a bit of fun, to be honest. Like, uh, I guess one of the challenges, again, like you really need a car to get around on the on the peninsula. Um, I think there's one, the, the bus that goes down on the front beach, but um, really you need a car to get around. So, yeah, we've created a couple of uh, driving playlists that you can tap into. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of fun uh, pulling those together. We've got one of the playlists as a peninsula focus, so there's, um, some of them are a bit tricky, but there's a few peninsula artists or, or um, ideas connected to the peninsula in that one. So, yeah, they're definitely worth a look as well as you drive around down here. Yeah, one of, one of them has actually been put together by the artists and um, we're going to play a track um, from that list in a minute. And the other one is a list uh, which is of artists that hail from the peninsula. Uh-huh. So, yeah, really great to sort of work your way through or, or there is a connection. Um, so, yeah. Worth definitely worth having a look. Um, just wanted to ask about one um, uh, uh, piece. I'll call it a piece. I was trying to find yeah. the right word, obviously. Um, yeah. And, and uh, then we'll we'll catch up with uh, both Lisa and Katie Lee in a minute. But um, you're in conversation with Vera Merler. I wanted to mention this one because this one focuses on sea dragons, and I know a lot of our listeners will be really interested in this one. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Vera, like I said before, what, one of our fantastic local artists who lives down in Flinders and her project Submarine Garden is exploring uh, the Flinders Pier and is actually located at the pier. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's just a, there's a, the, the Flinders Pier is fantastic. Like, people love it down there. And, and I guess Vera's project is really trying to bring what's under the water above so people can actually see that and start to understand the important uh, ecology that exists down there. Obviously, um, yeah, we've got that in, con- in conversation, which is coming up, um, I think it's Sunday the 13th of November. So, yeah, Vera's in conversation um, with a local diver and photographer. Um, so I think that's really exciting to be able to get that sort of different perspective of, um, again, and engaging with great um, local people down here. Um, but, yeah, Vera herself has yeah, got an in- interesting history in terms of her scientific background and studies. So, yeah, that's going to be a fantastic um, talk. And and we've, we've said that people can actually bring, or depending on the weather, but bring their own snorkeling equipment as well if they want to go and have a bit of self-guided snorkel. Um, but, yeah, no, that, uh, that talk's going to be fantastic. And there's such a range of talks and associated public programs for each of the projects, which is, yeah, really, really worth planning your trip. Well, hopefully the weather will hold out for you um, both 6th and the 13th of November in conversation with Vera Muller. We've already put a link to that on our Facebook page. If you go and have a look at um, our our piece for today, you'll see the front beach, back beach, um, your, your, uh, your, um, what do we call it? Front beach, back beach. Promotional. Logo. Logo. (laughs) Yeah, the the mark. Yeah, that'll do. So click on that and it takes you through to a link to your website and you can get all the information from there. Uh, And then after the exhibition finishes, it runs till the end of November, but the plan is to transfer a lot of this to the Mornington Peninsula Gallery, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting process because basically we're going to be curating that show during November when we see the works all set up. And it'll be a, a mixture of some of the artworks, documentation, yeah, film work, photography, uh, remnants of the project, other research materials. So it'll be, a, yeah, I think that'll be a fantastic element to actually give the project some longevity and people can come and 
um, yeah, explore that. And we're also working on a, a quite a decent publication that will launch at the end of the exhibition, which will have documentation and some really fantastic essays about the project. So, yeah, it's great that we can have that public art component through November and then uh, bring uh, the show back to the, the gallery over summer. Yeah, brilliant. So fbbb.com.au. We've been speaking with uh, Director Danny Lacey. Thanks so much for joining us, Danny. And uh, in just a moment, we'll be catching up with a couple of your artists. So looking forward to speaking with them. Fantastic. Thanks to speak. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks, Danny. Likewise. Bye for now. Independently yours. Triple R. 102.7. You're listening to Radio Marinara. And if you've just tuned in, we've been speaking about an incredible art celebration of the Mornington Peninsula called Front Beach, Back Beach, which kicks off this coming Friday, featuring a huge range of art projects at 15 different sites throughout November. Two of the featured artists are Lisa Warp and Katie Lee and how they present their art couldn't be more contrasting. One is on the ground and one in the air. To tell us more about their art and their individual contributions to Front Beach, Back Beach, it's with great pleasure. We welcome the two featured artists, Lisa Warp in studio with us. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. And Katie Lee on Skype. Good morning, Katie. Hello. Great to have you both with us. Everything's worked. We're very happy here. Um, first up, just a general question. You're both um, Mornington Peninsula artists, is that right? You're both from the Mornington Peninsula? I'm no? Not, no. No? Katie? No. No? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> they don't even know each other. They've had to introduce themselves to each other, so yes. that's interesting. All right. Well, I'll go to the next part. How did you, uh, how did you come to be involved with the program? Let's start with you, Lisa. Um, I was ap- approached through the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery. Originally, Danny Lacey had talked about this project with me and invited me into it. So even though I haven't lived on the peninsula, I've had a lot to do with the peninsula. So, um, yeah, it was a great honour to be asked and, you know, I guess the process of of the creation of this has been, you know, quite an incredible experience. Yeah, what is is your art? What do you do? Um, For the project? In general. um, I'm multidisciplinary, so I use lots of different mediums. I guess for me it's a vehicle for storytelling. So, you know, it spans from weaving to printmaking to textiles, fashion, yeah, just a little bit of everything. Amazing. I I can tell by the way you're dressed. Yeah, with your earrings and your uh, (laughs) your necklace. Are these your art pieces as well? No, they're not. (laughs) I'm not going to claim that. (laughs) They're very beautiful. Um, Katie, how about for you? What what brought you to this exhibition? Well, uh, primarily it was an association with the two, well, two of the fabulous curators. There's a team of people working on the project, David Cross and Cameron Bishop, who I also work with at Deakin. And uh, I work in a small collective of artists. We're all independent artists, but we collaborate or we, we kind of um, co-create together on projects, particularly site-specific and more increasingly public projects. So we're called the Light Air Space Time Collective, mm-hmm. which we uh, abbreviate to the Last Collective. Yeah, and um, we, I guess, have been working in public space a little bit locally. I live um, on Wurundjeri Country in Coburg North, and we recently did a project underneath the new Upfield Bike Path there, and um, sort of taken an approach, I suppose, that uh, seemed to be um, sympathetic to uh, some of the, I guess, curatorial themes of the project. Um, like Danny was saying, you know, not necessarily uh, grand sculptural kind of interventions but more sort of um, ways of using the spaces and ways of interacting with what's on the sites um, and the histories. 
that perhaps I think um, resonated with David and Cam in particular. Can you tell us yeah. a bit about um, while we've got you here in this in this sort of line of conversation? What what are you bringing to Front Beach Back Beach with your so, collaborators too? Because we yeah, should give a sure. shout out so to I'll them as well. So I'll just say who my collaborators are. So the last collective comprised of myself, um, Melanie Irwin, Beth Arnold, Claire Ray, and Hannah Tai, and there's four of us participating in this project, uh, which is Mel, Claire. Beth and myself. And uh, so we were sort of presented with a site um, quite late in the curatorial kind of agenda, I think, which was, um, you know, fine for us because we really enjoy responding rather than sort of choosing a space that we're looking to sort of draw something out of. Uh, Our principles are very much to sort of take what's already there when we arrive anywhere, whether it's a white cube gallery or a public space, sort of investigate from that point forward. So this site was remaining on their sort of um, the Western Port Hub kind of area and it's an incredible space. It's a a site. It's a beautiful site. It's sort of a a reserve that's um, very well taken care of by the Crib Point Stony Point Committee of Management, which I'll shout out to because I think there's a lot of love down there for that space. Um, But it's got a sort of local history, um, a more recent history with these two brothers that used to, um, who set up an encampment down there, the twin brothers Blinker and Biddy Jack. And they sort of were really industrious. They built themselves their own jetty and they had a um, tanning pit where they would uh, sort of treat the fishing nets by boiling down the wattle bark um, and soaking it in this tanning pit, which is still down there. So I think for the curatorial team, they were really keen for someone to come down and use that site and and sort of um, tease out some of that sort of history. Um, But for us, it became less about that sort of more recent history, um, which we felt had been pretty well represented and quite well cared for by the community and quite a sort of folklore story in a way of these two brothers down there. That's great. But we were much more drawn to the sort of natural environment and um, and, and the realisation that we didn't um, have a lot of knowledge ourselves about the Indigenous significance of the site and that became something that we sort of felt we had to sort of address through the way that we approached the work. That's great. Um, Katie, I'm just conscious of time. We're going to run yeah, out sure, of time sure, shortly. Sure. So I what really we're get... going to do, yep. sorry, what we're going to do is sort of we've, we've mapped this kind of line between the tea tree forest and the in the, in the tidal plain in a in a timber sort of structure, um, which relates to the mangrove forest and our own bodies. And we have two performances that we're going to do where we'll sort of intervene and activate that space um, over the next two Saturdays coming up. Fantastic. Uh, we, we'll put some links to that. On, I already have actually on our Facebook page. I'm just conscious of time. We've got only got a couple of minutes left. Lisa, I want to ask you about your work. Your work is the one that's happening in the sky. You've look got up. F- look up. You've got four paragliders who will be launching from different places, and I guess that's going to be a bit weather dependent. Tell us about your designs and, and what this piece of art is. Yeah, so there's three um, paragliding wings. One's a tandem one and there's two single ones. So basically... Um, yeah, we're going to be going up into the air with them. Um, we've got a lot of um, people supporting this project with pilots and um, to get it off the ground, basically. So, yeah, it's... Unintended. <laughs> yeah, and um, so the artwork that I've created from it is um, three uh, works on paper, like um, mixed mixed media artworks and then also ink drawings that has been a part of this um journal that I've been creating for many years. So there's actually six artworks on these wings and they're basically 
talking about water and my connection to water and salt water and it's going into um, also imagery within it uh, for deep kelp forests and also fresh water as well. So it really, and then is embodied totally around water too in and, country. And the sails are being printed as we speak. They are. And yet to be seen. They are. So a big surprise. Yeah, we're hoping for the last two weekends in November for them to take flight and there's possibilities for people to take part in the tandem flights as well, which will be put onto the website for people if they'd like to do that. And, yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait. I'm, yeah, just... Incredible to see your artwork in the air. What yes. an experience that's going to be. Most definitely. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us in studio this morning. Thanks so much for joining us, Katie. Vice Pleasure. Thank you for having us. We could have talked for another half hour, but um, we have to get out of here and make way for our next program. Thank so you. thanks so much um, to you, uh, Lisa Warp and Katie Lee. Thank you to Danny Lacey uh, and uh, also to you, Cabin Boy. Yes, jam-packed full show as been, per as, usual. As always. And thank you, Rachel, very much uh, for panelling for us today and for David who will have you show us a up as a podcast. Stay tuned for Radiotherapy. Next week, uh, Ant will be in the house along with Dr Beach and Rex Hunter, so make sure you tune in for more Marinara next Sunday. Have yourselves a wonderful Sunday, and, yeah, get down to Front Beach, Back Beach, anytime from the 4th of November through to the 27th. Have a great Sunday. Uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye for now. Ah, that's right. Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.